Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a working symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. But then what we find out is their libraries are underfunded, their teachers don't have books in the classroom, the children don't own books at home. You know, they live in book deserts. They don't have meaningful, consistent access to books at home. They don't have meaningful, consistent access to books at school. So choice from what? You know, so choice is a privilege. Choice is a privilege that depends on access completely. Happy Teacher Appreciation Week. I hope you're sharing a whole lot of love for those individuals who work with our young minds each and every day. Schools are magical places, and for many, they are the source of countless formative memories in our journey of growing up and into the world. So, I recently started a new podcast with Karina Yan Glazer, New York Times best-selling author of the Vanderbeekers series. It's called Kidlit These Days, and it's produced by Book Riot, And on the show, Karina and I examine the intersection between current events and children's literature. We're sort of your kidlit connoisseurs, shining a light on what's going on in the world and the books that can help us navigate through it. On our most recent episode, we celebrated teachers both in the classroom and in our favorite books. 
The episode also features an interview with Karina Allen, host of the Books Between podcast and a fifth grade classroom teacher in New York. I'd love for you all to go check out that episode, and you can find the link in the show notes below just by scrolling down on your podcast listening device. As a sort of bonus, it brings me great pleasure to share this interview with you today. Donna Lynn Miller is renowned in education for her work in literacy and as an unflinching, unparalleled advocate for readers. Donalyn and I discussed the important role of teachers in raising readers, and she shares a moving story about a teacher who inspired her while she was in high school. Never have I felt closer to Donalyn than after this conversation. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 507. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Please welcome my guest, Donalyn Miller, author of The Book Whisperer, Reading in the Wild, and co-author of Game Changers. My name is Donalyn Miller. My preferred pronouns are she and her. I am a Texas educator. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, so the northeast corner of my state, about 90 miles from the Oklahoma border. I have taught fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade language arts and uh, social studies. I was a finalist for state teacher of the year in my state in 2010, and I was chosen by my peers as English teacher of the year for my state in 2011. I am the author of, or co-author of several books about engaging children with reading. Probably most well-known of those is The Book Whisperer, which just celebrated its 10th anniversary. Uh, My latest book is Game Changer, Book Access for All Kids, which I co-wrote with my dear friend, Colby Sharp and 27 contributors from all around the country. Mm. And for all it's worth, you have an absolute heart of gold, Donalyn. Oh, thank you, Matthew. I adore you. You are a teacher that, that I look up to, a teacher that I have learned from over years, not only in um, the the professional work you've done, but just how you live your life, how um, you use your voice online, how you advocate and fight for all of us and for 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 everyone that needs a voice. So I'm I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful you're here. You know, we all, all we want to do is appreciate teachers and share that. But um, it's a very special privilege for me to tell someone that I admire so much that um, that I appreciate you as well, Donalyn. Well, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate all the work you're doing in the world too. You know, I believe that God gives us blessings and opportunities that are meant to be for the benefit of everyone. And so this is me trying to live that mission, right? You know, I've been blessed. I've had some incredible opportunities. And so what's the point of having a platform if you don't use it to help everyone? Uh, Amen to that. Amen to that. So um, I would love if you, if we could start off this way, would you mind telling me about your work more specifically in raising and supporting readers of all ages and, and what first compelled you to pursue book access for kids? Well, I've been talking for a long time as a staff developer and a writer uh, about the importance of choice in reading. I think for most people who might know my work, that's probably what they think of me as an advocate for student choice and what they get to read. And also for teachers to have autonomy and librarians to have autonomy. But choice really sits, choice implies access in the first place. You know, there. if you have no access to books, no meaningful 
access, then what are you choosing from? You know, it's a shadow. And when we talk about access to books, of course, we mean several things. We mean that children have the physical books on hand to read, but also that every child can find something that's accessible to them. So we get into aspects of intellectual access, of social access, of cultural access. And what I see happening in a lot of the schools where I work or where I have taught or the ones that uh, colleagues tell me about when I talk to them about their schools, I see schools where, or you know, circumstances where choice is tightly controlled. We throttle all of the choice. We uh, we tell kids they can't read a book if it's not a certain amount of pages, or it has to be at this level, or it has to be this genre, or we we uh, we tell them they can't read graphic novels, or you're a third grader, you can't read a picture book, and basically we you know we throttle all of that choice, and we give kids only yeah. one choice left, which is to choose not to read at all. And mm. sadly, too many of them are taking us up on that. On the other end of the spectrum, I say, well, we'll let the kids read whatever we want. Let. I, I, I wish you could hear the air quotes I'm making, but uh, <laughs> but then what we find out is their libraries are underfunded. Their teachers don't have books in the classroom. The children don't own books at home. You know, they live in book deserts. They don't have meaningful, consistent access to books at home. They don't have meaningful, consistent access to books at school. So choice from what, you know, so choice is a privilege. Choice is a privilege that depends on access completely. So I, I don't think, uh, I think it's all nested together. I hope I'm explaining that in a way that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, um, So how, you can't be an advocate for choice if you're not also digging into what access kids have. Yes. So this week we're celebrating Teacher Appreciation Week across the nation. And so many of us have, in education, have learned from teachers before us, have um, learned in positive ways, and we want to emulate them or we want to... Um, sort of be what they couldn't be to us, or we're just around colleagues that are influencing us. But I'd love to know, Donna Lynn, if there was a teacher that impacted you growing up. And if so, if you wouldn't mind sharing how he or she had an impact on your life and your career. Oh, you know, thinking through the teachers that I've had, you know, I don't remember a lot of my teachers and I feel terrible about that, but but I really don't. Maybe it's an in my age, or maybe they just didn't make that much of an impact on me. My my favorite teacher in elementary school was Mrs. Potter, my elementary school librarian. She really saved me in elementary school. But thinking about a specific teacher, I think I would have to settle in on my high school English and drama teacher, a gentleman named uh, Silas Kenimer. And sadly, Silas passed away two years ago. Um, but Silas was first, you know, I was shy as a child, which I think many people who know me now would be surprised. I was uh, overweight as a child. I felt very sensitive about that. I was bookish, always had my nose in a book. I, 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 I had given myself this kind of sense of superiority around my peers that was self-protective and that I thought a lot of their concerns were frivolous, uh, that they were immature, that they were anti-intellectual. And so that was kind of the shell that I had around myself. And it, I was mm. very shy. I didn't raise my hand in class because I was that kid that would raise my hand in class three times because I knew the answer. And then I would look around and realize all the other kids were looking at me like I was a weirdo. So I just didn't raise my hand anymore. And um, my father had had a heart attack, massive coronary when I was in ninth grade. 
uh, we had moved after our house had burned down. We had a lot of things going on. And Silas came out to our junior high to recruit kids to join the drama program at the high school where we were all going to go. And, uh, and I was just, he was so positive, so enthusiastic, and also so interested. And I, I saw him being interested in my peers, but I also saw him being interested in me. And I had not felt that before. I felt like he saw me. Uh, so I joined the drama club. Now, terribly shy kid joining drama, we could question all of that. Like, what did she think she was going to be doing in drama? But uh, Silas really helped me. And also, he was a larger man, and, and he was an actor. And I thought, well, he's a big man, and he's an actor, so why can't I be a big girl and be an actress? You know, that, that he kind of made me feel that way, too. Um he was also the first openly gay teacher that I had ever had and one of the few male teachers that I had ever had. I would actually have to say Silas is probably one of the first openly gay adults I met um, outside of my family. And my mom came out as a lesbian in the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. And I really had no support system to help me navigate that, to help my younger siblings navigate that. And um, and in the 1980s, that was actually a very perilous thing for a parent to do. Um, my, when I think back about how uh, strong my mother must have been to be able to do that in 1984, uh, I admire her even more. But I, we had to keep it a secret. We couldn't tell anyone because if we told anyone that my mom was living with a woman, they could, po- you know, they could possibly come take us away from her. And I talked to Silas about it. And, um, and he, of course, you know, talked to my mom. And, um, and that really helped us during that time. He, he really helped our family. So I still get emotional thinking about all the things that he did. And he knows. He, uh, before he passed away, I had the opportunity to talk to him several times throughout my oh, life. I'm so glad. And so that's one of the things that I know that I feel good about. You know, sometimes you don't get the chance to go back and tell a teacher from 20 years ago what they did for you. But Silas knew. I'm so glad that that Silas was in your life, that you were born where you were with the family that you had in in the place where you were, and that Silas was brought into that into that space, into that moment, and into your life in that way. Um, I just want to affirm what what his presence in your life did. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Matthew, I don't think I've ever shared that story publicly with anyone. Thank you for giving me a space to do that. Mm. Well, I'm, I thank you to Silas for, for his impact in your life. Um, you are, I think it goes without saying that you are impacting many other teachers' lives just in the way that you carry yourself, the work that you do professionally, just the, the, the way that you lead your role as Scholastic's Ambassador of Independent Reading Advocacy that brings you into many opportunities to work closely with teachers across the country. So I'm wondering, what's something that you've come to appreciate about teachers on account of this role? Because now you, know, now you get to be in front of all these teachers. Or maybe it's something, I don't know, that you've always appreciated about teachers. Well, you know, one of the great blessings that I have being Scholastics and one of Scholastics ambassadors is that I get to meet thousands of teachers and librarians and administrators and families um, over the course of my travels. And, Mm. you know, 
there are so many teachers out there who are striving to try to uh, take care of the children and the families that they serve in big and small ways, heroic, daily, long-term commitment to the families that they serve. Uh, I think the best teachers and the things that I have always admired about the teachers that I've had and the teachers that I've taught beside and the teachers that I've had the honor of being in their classroom is how um, really great teachers have such a heart for their students and their families and they're there taking care of them every single day. You know, our, we have so many families that are suffering right now in our country and teachers are on the front lines of that. And, and I see teachers taking that mission on seriously um, in so many ways. Yes. Being on the front lines, it's no small thing, but to have it affirmed is something that, that makes us, I, I think it's always made me feel like I'm not, I'm not carrying that weight alone, that there, that there are people, it's not just our great love for the children and really caring and seeing them, but knowing that others are seeing us along that way. Mm-hmm. So I have a habit of asking guests on this podcast this question, and I actually am a bit tickled about how we are landing, as I always love to, right back with those kids. So if you don't mind, Donalyn, First, thank you again for your time, for coming to talk to me, for for just being in my life. You mean something to me, and I'm I'm grateful that you're in my life. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. I feel the same. So I want to bring it back to our to our children and say that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Donalyn, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I really want, I really want, I'm not so naive to believe that every per, every child could be kind of the kind of crazy reader that I am or that I see uh, in the world. But I, what I want is for every child to have that chance, Matthew. And what I want is for children to see that reading is something that can belong to them and that it can be a gift to them for all of their lives, that it doesn't have anything to do with school. It has to do with them and their hearts and their brains and the places that reading can take them. And I know that you have a lot of power when you talk to kids, and I know that you'll be able to communicate that, that to them. This is Andy Plemons, school librarian, speaker, and blogger at expectmiraculous.com, calling in from Athens, Georgia. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winter in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. 
before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.